This is Story Guys, a fake storytelling game show where the points are fake but the stories are real. I just got off the phone with a really old friend of mine who said that he thinks that people are idiots if they wear masks. That was a weird conversation. <laughs> um, that's that's one of those conversations where you realize like, oh, people do change and you don't have to keep all the same friends. And he's like, hey, look, man, I see on those packages, those things don't at all like keep you from getting any type of airborne diseases. And I was like, well, the point, man, is when I go out to Home Depot, if I have to go out, I'm just making sure that I'm not killing somebody else. I love you and I figure you probably are kind of the same guy I've known my whole life and you probably wouldn't want to kill somebody either, right? That was just my take on it. That was pretty awkward. <laughs> um, I will say COVID-19 has caused a lot of things to stop, but one of the main things it's caused to start are lots of awkward conversations for all kinds of reasons. For these kind of reasons that you describe and also just like you're with the same people all the time. And so sometimes, you know, you run out of things to talk about and you just start talking about other stuff. <laughs> All of a sudden, yeah. you realize you're in strange territory. My wife and I were eating uh, dinner, and our kids got up from the table, and we just kept talking and and continuing to drink a bottle of wine that was sitting on the table, and neither of us was paying attention until I turned it over, and there was no wine left. <laughs> and, yeah. and I don't drink a lot of wine. You know that about me. I, you know, um, I imbibe on some things, but not tons of wine. And I was like, what's the ABV on wine? Like, that's literally something I didn't really know. It was like 47% on this bottle of wine. So by yeah. the end of that conversation, we were we were like talking about God and religion and, you know, like deep, deep, deep stuff. And I was like, we should do this more often. This is great. <laughs> Maybe it's occurred to you that you need to drink more. It, it is interesting how it changes your relationship to alcohol. Like you've already described, like getting in the pool with a margarita, like you're just never going anywhere. But what's happened, of course, to make things complicated is Cecilia is not drinking now. So this morning, Cecilia's like, did you order a pizza last night after you ate? And I was like, yeah, I did. Can you not tell? It's, it's on the bank account. <laughs> I'd like to point out again that this is not the first time this has happened. I have a text. I have, I have text proof of her checking on you in the middle of the night because she smells pizza. <laughs> the cook, the cooking one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, so so it's just me drinking. It's weird. And now I'm making cocktails, mixing margaritas, mixing Palomas, and mixing Dude, whiskey Dude, Palomas salad. are the drink of COVID-19 for us. I, yeah. I, I got one from a Mexican restaurant for my wife, and she was like, oh, this is my favorite drink there. It was the first time I'd really heard the name, even though I'd seen it before. And so I looked up the recipe, and it's like nothing, right? It's like just a few household ingredients. And so I was like, I'm just going to start making these. And so she summons one typically at about 5.05 every day. So let's, so let's hear how you make your Paloma versus how I started making mine because I made my first one two days ago. Mine are not super pretty, but uh, the, the cheater way is um, some tequila and then some club soda of some variety. We always have carbonated water and typically it's like fruit flavored of some sort, but it doesn't change the taste that water. much. Yeah, yeah. C- carbonated water and then I throw in some grapefruit juice and a little bit of lime yep. juice and ice. Mm-hmm. And uh, just stir it up. Okay. Similar? We're on the same page. Yeah. All right. That's a free drink recipe you just got right there.
A few weeks ago on the show, I told a story about uh, Fastball when I saw them live in concert, and they did what I refer to, I think, as like the most middle finger to the audience I've ever seen, where they played uh, The Way in halftime. And we have gotten some letters and some calls about that story because it's inspired some other people to say, actually, uh, you should hear this story. So I, I find this very, very interesting, uh, this concept of bands who get mad at the audience and what they do. And I am told we have a caller on the line, Mark, who has a story to put my story to shame. Uh, this is friend of the show, Troy. Troy, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, guys? Tell, hey, tell, tell me this story. I, I hear that you have a story that outdoes my fastball playing the song in, in halftime. I believe Murdoch laid, uh, titled it 17 Middle Fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. Lay the so, scene. Uh, Who is the band? What's the year? Where were you? Give me all the good stuff. Okay, so uh, late 90s, Faith No More was on tour for the King for a Day tour right okay. yeah and they rolled through uh louisville kentucky in a place that no longer exists called the brewery thunderdome oh so many brewery. stories about the brewery so many stories you oh, hear when you talk to musicians yeah, in man. Town. place was legendary if, if you had not had the pleasure you missed out the place was concrete you know you had a, a, a your, your first level and then you uh, go in down into a pit or you could climb up just uh, a little bit and there there was like this balcony and and a, and a some sort of walk over bridge. I mean, it sounded terrible, but man, you couldn't ask for a better uh, atmosphere. Uh, you know, kids throwing each other up against the wall and, and, and just pushing each other together and blood and sweat. I would say tears, but there's no crying and faith no more. <laughs> <laughs> so faith no more is playing this legendary venue. They're on this tour. What happens? Uh, the place is packed. Uh, and uh, they bring an opening act called Steel Pole Bathtub. Okay? Steel and, Pole Bathtub? Why have yeah, I never which, heard which, of these which, guys? Which I know, Troy told me this initially, and he was like, they had this, uh, We he was kind of pitching it to me like, is this really a band? I was like, yeah, I remember when that record came out. So yeah, so they existed, real band. So, but go ahead, yeah. Troy. So Steel Pole Bathtub, you know, it sounds made up, right? It really does. You know, whatever, you know, they're just the opening band, right? And uh, they come out, nobody cares about the opening band. We're just there for faith no more. Steel Pole Bathtub comes out and they're like, uh, we want to thank everybody for coming out tonight. You know, this first song is, you know, off our debut record and blah, 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 blah. And nobody cares about your little story. And they start in uh, with Paranoid by Black Sabbath. Whoa. You're like, oh, okay, all right, okay, whatever, all right. That's ha, 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 okay. And uh, so, uh, you know, they, they wrap it up. Who, who doesn't love Paranoid, right? Yeah. So, you know, they, okay, you know, uh, you know, th th that was a lot of fun. Uh, this next song is about da-da-da-da-da-da. And, uh, and, and here we go. Hope you guys enjoy it. They play Surrender by Cheap Trick. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's just kind of a little stunned, a little confused. Okay, where they, you know, jerking us around. Uh, we don't know. Okay. And everybody's just kind of, okay, this, ha, ha, ha. That's very funny, guys. This third song is about da, 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 da my little boring story. My, and they launch into Paranoid by Black Sabbath. Again? Again. I'll give you three record. guesses what song four was. What, was it Cheap Trick Surrender? It was cheap trick. This went on for 30 minutes or so, however long an opening band. Was. Were people losing their minds? This is hilarious. It felt, dude, it felt like a friggin' eternity. You know what? First it was okay, you know, ha, 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 to this is, you know, the joke, it's not funny anymore, to the longer it went on, the more agitated, the, you know, the kids became. Oh, they you know, turned like, on 
Oh, oh, the the crowd. You know, the boo, you know, screw, go back to where you came from, middle fingers and pure, unadulterated hate, right? <laughs> and people are just agitated and pushing each other, just trying to, you know, claw their way. So anyway, they finally get off of the stage and everybody's, yeah, yeah, screw those guys. You know, this sucks. You know, I hate this. Bring faith no more on. Faith No More comes out. People are agitated, irritated, but thank God Faith No More is on final on the stage. The crowd roars. Mike Patton runs out on a stage and they launch into paranoid by the <laughs> The crowd loses their mind. All of this 30 minutes of angst and hate and frustration exploded. And it was instant pit, instant violence. It, you simultaneously loved it and hated it. Oh my God. And dude. I can only imagine they're sitting out back of the tour bus smoking weed or something. And Mike Patton's like, hey, man, I dare you to do this. <laughs> we're, we're in Podunk, Louisville, Kentucky. Nobody cares about this. I know you're on tour with us and you try to make a name for yourself, et cetera. But here's what I want you to do. And that's how I imagine that. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe how good that story is. I can't believe A, that that happened. B, I can't believe that you were there. And C, I can't believe that's not like a legendary story floating around the podcast world. Like, has I, there's got to be somewhere that Mike Patton has done an interview and someone's tried to call him on that because that is unbelievable and classic. The closest thing I've ever seen is in their very very early days I saw Five Iron Frenzy play a show where they opened for themselves as a band called Naked Fish and they all came out in costumes <laughs> and they they came out as a hardcore band and he did that kind of shtick where he said this song is for my mother and about blah 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 and like gave a whole thing and then they just basically played like 10 or 15 seconds of speed metal and he just screamed uh, and they did a whole set they did like not they weren't on stage for super long but they probably did five or six songs and then they left and then came back as the other band and it took a long time for people to catch on to what was happening because they were a pretty new band and they were all wearing like masks and stuff when they came out and opened for themselves but I do think there's something to like the market sometimes where people are like yeah, I don't know we could just blow tonight it doesn't matter let's have fun yeah and that was still pull bathtubs like you know first record first tour <laughs> i just looked them up on spotify there are multiple steel pole bathtub records and i'm very excited to hear what these guys sound like now because they they do not have anywhere on spotify a cover of surrender or black sabbath yeah oh no know. it was a total setup and you know in in hindsight you know at the time it was very uh irritating but in hindsight it was kind of a stroke of genius on faith no more's part because when they came out like i said man the the roof blew off of the place. Oh, man. They knew what they were doing. That's amazing. That is just absolutely amazing, man. Have you ever heard that band, The Chariot? I have not. This is not the same as what you're saying, but one of the coolest, like coming out on stage and blowing the roof off the place things I've ever seen is when I saw the chariot play a few years ago, they opened for every time I die and um, they played video by Radiohead really loud twice before they came out. And then they came and they're like super heavy hardcore and they came out and just as soon as they hit the first note, the guitar player was feet first into the audience. Like just, I don't even know how he physically did it, but he launched himself feet first on top of the crowd and people just lost their minds because 
the weird psychic melt of hearing that Radiohead song two times in a row really loudly. <laughs> it was it was very cool. Man, that is a fantastic story, and I, I appreciate your storytelling capacity. Uh, thanks for not just sending that as an email. I appreciate you giving us a call because, whew, that is uh, that is a legendary, legendary story. The story starter today, we're doing songs by Duran Duran. We haven't done Duran Duran songs before, have we? No. And let me tell you, I would know. (laughs) By the way, not that I know anything about Duran Duran, John Taylor, the amazing, still gorgeous bass player from Duran Duran, has his own Facebook channel, and he does Facebook Live videos where he not only talks about songs and composing the songs and the actual bass lines of the songs, but he tells stories about how like the power station got together and he talks about touring and all sorts of stuff. So so here's what we've got. Union of the Snake. That seems like a, a dangerous story starter. Uh, the Reflex. I've got Girls on Film in here. A View to Kill. Ordinary World, which I love that song in the 90s. I was a little late there. Uh, Come Undone and Hungry Like the Wolf. So there's a lot in there. Let's see what happens. Her name is Rio, and she dances on the moon. I I, I did not put Rio because I don't know what I would talk about if Rio was what came up. But it didn't. What came up was Girls on Film. Girls on Film is the story starter today. Okay. Girls on Film. Oh man, I, this is one of my favorite stories. I don't know if I've ever told you this. It fits the topic and my sister-in-law just had a birthday this week, so I was reminded of it because it involves her. That's double the reason to tell it. Uh, several years ago, as you know, my other best friend, my brother, he moved to New York. And right before he and his wife and his his one kid at the time, you know, has to move to New York, there was a, a period of time where we, like, we just went out every night because we knew he was leaving. And so one night, he and his wife, Erin, and myself decided to go see Black Panther to give you a timeline. We hadn't seen it yet. We load up and we go to the movie theater. And my brother and I have a long history of going to the movies. You have not experienced this much as many times as I've invited you to go to the movies with me. Have we ever gone to the movies together? I've invited you a hundred times, but I don't know if we've ever gone together. Have we? If we have, maybe once. I can't think of it. So you don't know that... I basically, and I'm going to out myself here about this, I have a very unhealthy eating ritual that happens at the movie theater, which is giant bucket of popcorn 
and then I sneak in a bunch of candy, right? No, that we haven't. No, we haven't done this. Okay, so this is a regular thing that I do, and my brother knows this, right? But his sis, my sister-in-law, his wife doesn't at the time wasn't typically coming to the movies with us, so she didn't know about this whole thing. So there's like candy bars in the pockets. It, it can vary from week to week, but there's typically a lot happening in a jacket or sweatshirt or some big garment in which I'm carrying. And I want to side note here quickly to tell you that this is definitely something I kind of picked up from my father, who was a super big cheapskate because he had to be, yeah. because we didn't have a ton of money, so he's always looking for ways to stretch the dollars. So when we would go to the cheap movie theater that was like a dollar a person, then he, would, he wouldn't buy snacks at the movie theater. He would sneak in bags of popcorn... <laughs> And jackets and stuff, right? And and he found an article. This was like pre-finding an article for everything on the internet, which is like a whole yeah. thing now, right? But he found an article in a newspaper at the time in the 90s, because I remember him showing it to me, that said basically that most theater owners don't care that you do this. They just want you to be subtle about it, which is some amazing rationalization, which my dad also has a history of doing. Crazy, because really they want you to buy all that stuff. Well, they're, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Owners want you to do. Their whole profit margin comes from the snacks. They don't want you to bring stuff in. Correct. So, so, I mean, I'm just bringing some candy bars. I'm still, I'm spending $20 at the concession stand every week that I go. So, like, I don't feel that bad about it. But my dad was, like, literally, like, spending no money. But he told me, I remember this vividly. Like, I was young. And he had this article where, in the article, there was a guy who sneaked a pizza under his shirt into the movie theater. And the ushers had to, like, ushers, I guess they had those at the time, or people that were employed there had to come and get the guy out of the movie theater and be like, dude, you can't bring something so smelly into the movie theater, right? So that's the background I give you to this whole thing. But anyway, I have this whole ritual that my brother and I were going to the movies a lot at the time. And so I show up that night, his wife is there and we sit down and I'm like, oh, she doesn't know what's about to happen. So I start pulling candy bars and things out of my jacket. And part of the fun the first time you go with someone is impressing them with how many things you were able to get into your jacket. <laughs> yeah. So typically, like, I have candy bars in both pockets, and, like, like I'll, I'll make a whole production. Even the guys that I go with regularly, they know this. Like, certain weeks, there's a whole production that happens where I will pull out candy bar after candy bar and line them up in between us on the seat, right? I go to do this, and, and I'm it's starting, and my brother's like, oh, yeah, man, you don't know about this ritual. Just watch. And so I just keep pulling stuff out. I just keep pulling stuff out. And the big impressive coup de gras that I have planned is that I have a bag of red vines and withhold your comment about what you think about red vines though I will say one time I bought a bag and the cashier goes ugh when they came across <laughs> the thing <laughs> which is really bad when the person profiting off of you purchasing something is making fun of you for purchasing it anyway so I have this bag of red vines so the plan is at the end of the, and you gotta see this visual but at the end of me pulling everything else out I'm gonna reach into my jacket and I'm gonna pull out this entire bag of red vines it's gonna be the final big reveal so i get to that point and i reach into my jacket and at some point something had happened while it was sitting in my jacket and all of the weight had shifted and when i reached in and grabbed the plastic i basically just cleanly without realizing what i was doing all of the the actual candy broke through the other side and I pulled out and revealed an empty bag of red vines <laughs> and now my jacket is entirely full of an entire pound of red vine licorice and without missing a beat my sister-in-law who is killer funny she just looks at me and goes oh my god <laughs> shirt vines <laughs> 
<laughs> which I now refer to red vines solely as shirt vines. And it is one of my all time favorite moments in my entire life of like, just without me. And we got laughing so hard. I thought they were going to kick us out of black Panther. Like we were dying, like not being able to breathe, laughing so hard about the fact that I now had this situation in which I didn't know what to do with all this licorice. Cause the bag was busted. And I had a pound of licorice inside my leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> so like throughout the movie you're pulling out one at a time out of the jacket like some kind of weird watch salesman outside of a convention or something hey man you want to buy you want to buy some licorice it was uh oh my god so funny so there used to be a time where college where i decided to not necessarily go home but i would come and see some friends and i would do it around the holidays like Thanksgiving, Christmas, but I would maximize my time with my friends and a little less with my my family. Sure, and, that makes sense. I mean, that's kind of a yeah. that's a common thing I think that ha- happens around eighteen right. or twenty. And there was this um, this one time, and, and and I must have been like barely like a freshman or sophomore in college, so I was still really young. I don't even know if I was twenty yet. I was going to go meet some some friends of mine at a movie theater and to think about it really now to put it in perspective the idea of going to a movie theater around the thanksgiving holiday with a bunch of yahoos that you used to hang out with and some college <laughs> friends of yours that you're just kind of going and now it seems overwhelming but the idea just seems silly anyway in terms of how many people are around and, and how many people are at the movie theaters and this movie theater happened to be very adjacent to like a shopping mall so it took me a really long time to one find where everybody was Given the time period, we didn't have cell phones. So I ended up walking around the mall by myself. And, and for a little while, I doubted. I, I wondered if I was getting stood up by like these pals of mine I hadn't seen in a while. We all, it's about a half dozen of us total. We all meet at the mall movie theater. So there's an enormous amount of people. There's no buying tickets ahead of time. You're just waiting in line. I can't tell you what the movie was because of this kind of weird traumatic event that happened. We go into the, the movie and we all buy lots of food. It's a very similar experience you're talking about yours, but like we didn't sneak anything in. The previews happen and I realized that several of the guys are real chatty. So I, I didn't know if everyone had been drinking and like I just sort of missed out on like the earlier party invite because you know, you can just tell you're not really having as much fun as someone else clearly is <laughs> and they were having a lot of fun and so the previews in the movie starts and then i look on the screen and i realize that someone in my row that's with my party has a laser pin oh geez and is laser pinning a lot <laughs> and like not like and initially, it's sort of like a little bit like here and there, like it looks like it was kind of messing with people. And then it's just doing the swirl, you know? Oh, my Lord. There was an Ann Usher, not the music performing artist, but there was an Usher just sort of like did the look or gave the look. Didn't really say much, um, but whoever had the pin realized that was happening and the pin went away. So the Usher leaves, the pin comes back out. And I see people leave their seats and immediately in my head i'm like people are leaving the theater to go tell that there's someone with a laser pin laser pointer just like swirling around the the screen (laughs) so we get two ushers one on either side 
of our aisle and we're in a big long theater we're sharing an aisle with other people one of the ushers says sir excuse me sir excuse me sir and the the person who i know with the pen turns and looks and sees the usher and he's holding the pen caught red-handed and he goes <laughs> oh no like out loud but he's holding the pin the pin's still on like he's caught but he's caught in such a way that he doesn't realize that he has to hide he's like just caught with it like he's caught red-handed and then i look at everyone i think everyone's on drugs except me we get kicked out of the theater all of us and we get into the lobby and then there's a conversation that we're, we're now we're just leaving we're going but it's very clear that the person who has the laser pointer and another person who's in riding shotgun clearly are under the influence of something that is not Coors Light <laughs> and they're like looking at their hands and they're laughing and uh no <laughs> And so at that point, I sound like I'm being very prudish, but at that point, I turned to the person who was driving the car and asked them if they were sober and under the influence. And they said that they weren't. And where are we going? They wanted to go see another movie. <laughs> so I asked, I asked to be dropped off. So they were just going across town to the other movie theater. <laughs> I asked to be dropped off. And uh, and they had to turn around and drop me off and take me back to the mall. And I left. Um, so one thing I've never brought into a movie theater, I've never, I've never snuck in food. You do, but never. I, one thing I will never sneak into a movie theater is a laser pointer. <laughs> to really bother people. Well, you just reminded me of the whole laser pointer uh, frenzy. Like, I had completely forgotten about that. And I'm sure we can timeline this to a certain period based solely on the fact that a laser pointer was involved because there was a very specific. Yeah, there was a very specific period of history in which that was a thing that people did. And that there were, like, I would now remember by you telling this story, like, how you would walk in places and it would be like, no laser pointers allowed because of guys like that guy. Yeah. As you're listening, right now after you you finish listening to uh to the story guys here make sure you go go to google or youtube and type in paul stanley from kiss laser pointer and you're welcome (laughs) wow well i gotta say man um you win i mean i love shirt vines but the way you told that story in the moment that he gets caught red-handed is oh no Yeah, he didn't stop. He just like, was holding on to the pin. Uh, that's 150 points for you, man. Congratulations. Thanks for drugs. Uh, we, <laughs> thanks to, thanks to the story ch- possible. <laughs> we are the story guys at gmail.com or we are the story guys.com to get involved in all our projects. And until next time, remember keep stealing vi- red shirt vines. <laughs> I mean, telling, telling stories. <laughs> Story Guys is a production of Brian Eichenberger and Mark Murdoch. Get more stories, hear more podcasts, and book the guys for your conference or house party at wearethestoryguys.com. Copyright Boy Have We Got Stories Productions. All rights reserved.